Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, I wanted to come up with something different and talk about some historical things, maybe something from the past. And I thought today's podcast would be a little fun. We could talk about some of the things that we miss about Walt Disney World, maybe focusing on attractions a little bit, but perhaps maybe going over and talking about some other things. But to do that, I'm going to bring on a guest. I'm going to bring on a friend of the show, Gary Maselli. Gary, how are you doing today? Hello, David. Thank you for having me on again. You're welcome. Uh, go, always good to talk to you about Disney and some of the of fun things that we miss about the, uh, about the parks. Absolutely. So I thought we could start off with, you know, kind of coming up with our own sort of top 10 that'll probably be more than 10 because that's the way it usually works out. Um, things that probably. we miss, <laughs> attractions, shows, different things that we miss yeah. about, the, uh, about Walt Disney World. And um, I'll go ahead and get started. You know, my number one thing that I miss, Horizons, the, uh, the attraction that oh, used to yeah. be over in Epcot. Uh, one of my oh, absolutely one one of my all time favorite shows. Uh, I did a uh, four part podcast about uh, Horizons that really kind of summarized it. It was in the early days of my podcasting about Disney, but it's back in episodes. I think it's I want to say it's three, four, five, and six. If you want to go back in the archives and listen to it, but Horizons was just this re- remarkable experience. It was a, it was really uh, an attraction that talked about the future and the past and working toward a, a greater good and tomorrow. It you know, played the music, The Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. It had all kinds of hope for the future kinds of things going on. And they put so much detail into this attraction. It was phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, I ha- I- I've never seen it in person, but I've seen videos. And that, that attraction was really out of this world. That was really ahead of its time in a way. Yeah, it and, was. It was really something else, and it, it really was. And it was. And I miss it greatly. And um, I was glad that I got a chance to talk to two guys um, who did something you really shouldn't do. They actually hopped off the attraction and documented from behind the scenes pretty thoroughly. And I never recommend anyone doing this. Um, don't do this at home, kids. Uh, but um, these two guys did that, and I got a chance to talk to them. And one of them came on one of my podcasts and told me about some of his experiences. And it's really pretty cool. Um, just because they captured a lot of the audio and video and were able to kind of uh, m- hold these memories dear and uh, were able to capture a lot of it and uh, kind of take it home with them on, on uh, what would have been um, old VHS tapes at the time. So kind of cool because we, we still have that we can hold on to. And if you go over to MesaVerdeTimes.com, you can see some of their work and some of the things that they collected over the years. So kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seeing, seeing that. Seeing that as like getting that last piece of the pie, just just so you have it for the for the rest of your life that you could show people. Yeah, and I, I thought that was kind of neat. So you know, that's one that I that I truly miss, and I, I really um, yeah I really enjoyed going to. I was kind of kind of lived the experience of going on it because I went on that ride and attraction so many times. Uh, you know, one of those things that I just went to every single time I went to Epcot. So it was really phenomenal. So that would be at the yes, top absolutely. of my list. <laughs> um. So what do you have on your list, Gary? 
so I have one of, well, one of the things I miss is I really miss how they focus more on live entertainment. Yes. Um, I really liked the live stage shows. I liked the live uh, parades. I liked the live um, actors running about the, the town. And you could turn a corner and see some guy playing drums and turn another corner and you could see two people arguing and you realize it's just part of Disney and part of the scene. And, and you know, I, I, I really... I, I, I really do miss that. I do enjoy going and, and watching, you know, the movie that you can only watch at Disney, but I really do miss the live entertainment, the fact that it's it's actually live, and and even the people dressed in costume, you know, everything was live, and I really missed that side of Disney. I know MGM Studios back in the day was a big, big fan of live entertainment. Oh, absolutely. There was, yeah, you're right. Every, every corner you would turn... I remember walking in one time and I, I walked back um, over by um, New York Street and I'm walking along and all of a sudden this music starts playing. And who, and it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that come out with their reporter friend, Judy, was that her name? Um, and they uh, come, some like, some like April, 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 thank you. Couldn't think of it for a second there. April, Judy, same thing. Okay, there you go. So, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so April, <laughs> Judy came out and, you know, they'd have this little show they do and it was, it was, it was well scripted, but it was very impromptu, and it was kind of fun because they were doing this little thing, and it was it was throwaway completely, but it was fun. Um, you know, that's another thing that I that it wasn't on my list. But that's that's another thing that I missed. You know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. It was very short. I, I believe it was five or six minutes long. Yeah, about that. Because it was mainly about taking pictures with the kids, and they would hop off stage and take pictures with the kids, and the kids' faces just lit up when they saw him. And I really missed that that part of uh, Disney World. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for that, and you're right, because it, it happened throughout uh, pretty much everywhere. You'd have the uh, the Bugle Corps over in Epcot. You'd have uh, the Steel Drum Players in the Magic Kingdom back in the day. You know, just something everywhere. And uh, you, 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 we lost a lot of that along the way. I still see it occasionally, but not like it used to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they still have, um, if I remember correctly, they still have um, someone doing magic at uh, Hollywood Studios. Yes, uh, Terry Ward doing magic. If I if I'm not mistaken, they have um, some actors still doing some street stuff, and I really miss that improv street stuff that they used to do at Disney. I thought that added that added something to Disney that was really special. You know, you would go and you know it's it's different than watching a movie or something. It's something you can only get there. Yeah, I agree, and that's you know that's that thing about you know putting on a good show and uh, making it the whole immersive experience. You're going somewhere, and Walt always wanted it to be different, someplace you don't see at home, and that's what it was. Uh, it made it kind of unique. Absolutely. Um, that's a cool one, actually. Uh, I think the yeah. next one on my list is uh, If You Had Wings, and uh, that was an attraction. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe a little before your time, but uh, it was really pretty cool, and I, I did a retrospective on that a couple of podcasts ago. I can't remember exactly where. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was this, it was a, one of the free attractions. You and I had talked about how Disney used to be a fairly inexpensive proposition, and they sold yeah. each ticket to each attraction independently. And uh, if you had wings, was one of the free ones. And you could just go on it, and it cost you nothing, and you could just ride it. And, you know, you'd go into the air-conditioned comfort of it and see the whole Eastern Airlines spiel as you're going around through visiting all the ports of call that they go to. And there was something really kind of, it was, it was ridiculous because it was so... I don't know. I guess you could say cheesy and low key and you know kind of yeah. low budget, but yet it was so wonderful and totally memorable. It was. It really was magical. Yeah, and it, it just had a certain charm to it, and there was something about it that I just absolutely, absolutely loved. 
So, uh, what else that's, do you have on your? Great, David. Yeah, thanks. What... Um, one of the other one of the other things I have was I miss how uh, cheap it used to be. Yes, I really, I really do. Um, not saying you know Disney is uh, wrong for raising its prices because you know I, you know I, I agree that after over time you have to raise the prices because things get more expensive, um, technical wise things get more more expensive actor wise, and and you have to pay the employees more. And but I remember when Disney first opened, I believe in seventy one, tickets were three dollars and fifty cents. Believe that's correct. Now they're. Now they're now they're above, I believe, one twenty, uh, one hundred twenty-six. I believe. That sounds about right. I think that that probably nets out about there. It's... Yeah, about one hundred twenty-six for a, for a park pass, and you know, like we understand, like it's about um, raising the prices because of because of how expensive things got. But but I remember hearing something about Walt Disney and how he wanted. The price of Disney to be really, really cheap because he wanted to have low families and really poor families to be here and experience a day of magic. And yeah. I don't think anymore that families like that can afford it. No, I think it's I think it's reached a price point where it's difficult for people to afford it. They have to save up for a vacation, and they're going to save probably for several years in order to afford one week's vacation, basically. Yeah. That's a pretty remarkable. Yeah, because thing. you have to pay. Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's uh, we have to pay not just a hundred and you know fifteen for one person, it's for every member of the family. How many parts? How many days? Mm-hmm. And it all adds up. And you know, buying the vacation package is a little bit more of a value in in general, where you buy the the hotel, the the um, the, the park tickets, the food, and all of that. Um, it you know as yeah. a value, it's it's better, but it still can be fairly expensive. Um, so you have to absolutely. So you really have to be well aware of that as a uh, um, as a, co- a consumer and decide where, how you want to spend your money. You're right. I, I miss the days of being able to just kind of hop over to the park and not spend much money. That was there was something kind yeah. of cool about that. Yeah, and how how you didn't have to worry about taking out a mortgage for uh, <laughs> you and your family to uh, to go. And and I really think you know I, I think if Walt Disney was here today, I think he'd understand. But I think he'd want to lower the price again. To make it so that every family can come. Yeah, I think not have to worry about it. I, I think you're right. I think Walt Disney would have a different a different view of how things are going right now. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I always wondered, you know, how would he feel about all of it? You know, kind of the way it evolved and became yeah. something else. I, I don't know, but um, just amazing how it's changed. Yeah. So what do you have on your list for next? So next on my list, I think the one that another one that I miss um, would be the uh, backstage tour that they used to do at the studios. Uh, not the Damn, one that was one of mine. Ah, okay. Well, I'm not talking about the one specifically about where you had got on the tram and went around. I'm thinking about the one where you actually okay. went to um, where you were walking behind the movies and you saw how some of the movies were made. There were some really yeah. cool little things they did, and there was you know two or three of them, and they were kind of separated out, and it's they seemed disjointed in a way because how do they fit in with the theme park? But they were really cool. And, you know, I remember specifically, you know, some things that happened, like uh, the, you know, the, uh, and maybe this one was actually part of the the uh, backstage tour. I can't remember now, but where they had the water tank, and you would go in and you would see that you would do the uh, the naval battle, and the, you know, you were on board yeah, the ship yeah. that was that rolling around. Very clever stuff, and they teach you a little bit yeah. about movie making and some of the magic that goes into it, and that was really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was one of mine. Uh, the, I love how. I love how a normal family can get on the backstage tour, you know, get on the tram and, and see, oh, 
the facades of, you know, Ernest Saves Christmas and the facades of uh, Full House and, you know, all these different sets. And, and, and they look and see all the props. And they, they, if you look to your left, the costume workers are working on the brand new costume from the movie Hercules. And, and you could look in the window and see all these people working on. And they were, they, they were legitimately working on this movie. Yes. Yeah, and it was always neat to see that, too. And you can kind of wander in and see the movie going on. That was, there was something kind of cool yeah. about that. There was definitely something kind of magical about seeing the movie that's coming out next summer being made right now and you watching it being made. Mm-hmm. It was, it was in fact, a real working movie studio. And they actually made it. Yeah, absolutely. There. It was cool. I mean, you know, some, seeing some of the productions and some of the things they did, pretty neat. And uh, a lot of fun, actually. Oh, yeah. Mm, good call on that one. Hey, can we share, we share one in common there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> So um, let's see. I guess I can throw another one out there then. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that I used to like was the um, the original Listen to the Land ride. And it's similar to the way it is now with Living with the Land. But it used to be some there was a guide on board the boat with you. And they would talk about all the things, most of the things that you hear in the spiel now, a guide would tell you about. But they were giving you more details and more interesting facts because they had a larger script right. to work from. And they could tell you a lot more things about how some of the things worked and what Disney was doing that was different and the aquaculture and the agriculture and the you know hydroponics right. and all the other stuff. And it was kind of fun. And they, they would answer questions too, which was really pretty neat. You'd be going along and it felt like forever you're going through this, you know, the greenhouse and whatever. And they're telling you the story, but then they're also answering your questions. So you're learning something more than just the simple ride going through and they're just telling you two or three things. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. It was there was something kind of neat about that. It made it kind of it brought it to life in a way that uh, I still enjoy going on the ride because it's still got that certain part of a charm to it. But it it was much more than that at some point in time. Yeah, absolutely. I highly agree with you. I like that. I like the uh, almost like a teacher interaction with uh, the onboard the onboard teacher. Yes. And uh, he he was showing you everything, and you can ask ask him questions, and they would know. Yeah, and I was always amazed because we'd try and you know throw throw a question at them that they couldn't answer, but they always found a way to answer it, uh, and it was kind of oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing, and it, that was one of those one of those attractions that I really just enjoyed the way it was, and I yeah. did like the catchy song too. the uh, The original uh, uh, "Listen to the Land" was a was a pretty good uh, catchy catchy song. Do you have it as your ringtone? I don't actually, but I think I'll I'll uh, go ahead and put it in here somewhere in the podcast. Not so. yet. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. It'll it'll make its way in here, I'm sure. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what else do you have? What what have you got? And one of the things I really missed, well, really missed was I know they just recently took it down, but I really miss the great movie ride. Yeah. That's a good one, actually. The Great Movie Ride was so good because it took you through not just not just movies. It took you through their library of the most popular movies, the movies that got them where they are. You know, they took you through Mary Poppins, The Wizard of Oz, through um, Indiana Jones, through, uh, you know, through all these uh, John Wayne movies. You know, mm-hmm. they took you through so many different movies from the very beginning to the very end. Yes. And I really liked that I really liked that. It almost felt to me like a museum almost. I'm showing you this is what we've done. Yeah, and uh, there were some remarkable things in there too. I, I like the, uh, the the interaction with the uh, with the hosts as you go through. Oh yeah, you know, and the way they'd uh, you know they'd leave, leave the set because they'd have to, and someone else would take over, and then they'd wind up coming back at yeah. the end. 
it was there was something kind of cool about that. It made it made it much more um, yeah. fun because it was interactive. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. It, it it gave it. You know that right was it was really magical. Um, there was definitely something to say about um, showing you the path and showing you how far we've come as a in, a, in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was pretty neat. And at the you know at the beginning when they'd show you that sort of movie reel as you were standing in the queue. There was something kind of cool yeah. about that because it really did show you the whole timeline because you'd start off in the old black and white movies and you kind of move to the more current times. So they never went all that current in that queue. They'd go to like the 1960s yeah. or so and that was about it. And so it was sort of the yeah. heyday of movies in that sense. Yeah, they they almost showed you how universal, how, uh, not universal, how <laughs> MGM was made. They said, this is what really made us. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it, actually, because that's that's what it was about. They kind of kind of give you that sense of it, and it was yeah, it was, singing in the rain and and all these wonderful movies that really made MGM what it what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I also liked uh, there was a couple of um, couple of cool hidden Mickey's and different things that were uh, scattered oh, yeah. throughout the ride, and there was a really cool one yeah. in the um, Indiana Jones section that was actually. It was actually a, a hidden Mickey and a hidden Donald. They were in the hieroglyphs. And then there was a C-3PO and R2-D2 next to them, which was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of lost to history, I guess. And that's unfortunate. That was that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that, it was a very, very cool attraction. Very magical. Yeah. Um, what do you have on your list next? So let's see. On my, ne- my list next, I think I'm going to go with um, the Kitchen Cabaret that was over in Epcot. Oh, Yeah. Kitchen Cabaret was a uh, fun little show about food that was also inside the Land Pavilion. Um, so here I am stuck in the Land Pavilion at the moment, I think. Um, the Kitchen Cabaret actually is approximately where Soren is now. And I say approximately because, as I understand it, the Kitchen Cabaret, or Food Rocks that replaced it, is actually still intact behind one wall because they built the uh, show buildings right behind it. And they just put a wall in front of it so you can't see it anymore. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, wow. kind of cool. Yeah, so I, you know, assuming that's true, and based on the way it's laid out, and if you look at the, the um, aerial photos, it's certainly a possibility. Um, but it's really pretty yeah. cool. And uh, so the Kitchen Cabaret was just this fun look at um, nutrition. And it was you know, half-baked, I would say, audio-animatronics. None of them were all that spectacular. Okay. Um, but they, you know, they were all clever, and they all served a purpose, and they did something, and they told you about the history, you know, the, how, to, how to eat yeah. and you know, be, be nutritious. And it was just a very clever way to uh, introduce um, sort of the, the food groupings to you. It was, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I do remember seeing something about that, and it looked very, very cool. It was, like I say, it was kind of, you know, you could, you could make the joke it was cheesy because there was a lot of cheese in it. There was a lot of ham. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was just something different, and it was kind of uh, kind of unique, and it was truly Disney in a way. Um, yeah, because they to- they told a fun story, and they kept it lively, and they had a little bit of music in there, and they had some funny things. The broccoli, you know, singing uh, uh, singing with the um, the, um, <laughs> the the broccoli singing along in the in the salsa music. It was just kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, how about you? What else do you have? One of the things I miss is this is what they used to used to do way 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 back in the day at MGM. How they would open attractions up and how they would open meet greets up meet greets up that would tie in to movies that were coming out. Yes, like the, the like the Dick Tracy movie came out. They had a Dick Tracy show. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. They had the show. They had you know 
something came out, they had a show about it, or a meet and greet, or, or when Ace Ventura came out, they had the Ace Ventura show. Those were, yeah, those were a lot of fun. I used to like going into the studios just to see some of those things that they'd come out with, because they were fun. Yeah. Um, everything was, you know, everything was kind of new and unique, and Disney was doing a nice job of kind of cross-promoting, but in a kind of a yeah. not-in-your-face way. It was just sort of, hey, here we are, here's the show that's coming, or here's the movie that's coming, come check it out. And uh, yeah. you'd watch a couple of minutes of a video, and then you'd, you'd have a meet-and-greet, and, you know, you'd have a live show, and there you go. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even, even if the show was short. Uh, the Ace Ventura show was short, and then after the Ace Ventura show, kids got to meet Ace Ventura. And the movie was just out at the time when Nature Calls, and the kids loved it. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, that, it was a lot of fun when they did yeah. those things. I remember the Dick Tracy yeah. show really well, actually, and the things they would do, oh, yeah. the, the big costumes and the shoulder pads and the whole thing they had going on there. Oh, yeah. It was fun. A continuously moving set. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was such a good time. That show really was something else. It really was. That was that was a lot of fun, and I, I do miss that. There was there was something kind of again. It was engaging. It was something that Disney did well. That uh, you know you didn't really think about. I, I think I said earlier with the. Uh, it was something very unique. Yes, it was. It was unique, and it was almost throwaway in a way. But it was so clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no park has ever done that before, from what I know. Huh. Now that's pretty interesting. That's a little. That's a little fact I didn't realize. Yeah, hmm. and even when the Goosebumps books were out and the Goosebumps was becoming popular, they made a Goosebumps show at Disney World. Huh. I didn't remember that one, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I remember when my uh, when my oldest was really little, we went, uh, they had just opened the Bear in the Big Blue House show, and that was really cool. It was, oh, you know, yeah. That was yeah. a fun one. And yeah. I know they still do the, the Disney on stage, and I think it's evolved a little bit, but it was so clever because yeah. you kind of just get in line and they just push you in the room and you'd see the Bear in the Big Blue House and you come into the audience and you start shaking hands with everybody. And it was like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really thought it was such a magical moment for kids to see. This yeah. is their favorite, you know, person that they you know see on TV every day, and now they get to meet them live. Oh, exactly. And it was it was really cool. And you know, it was you know yeah. he had the he had the the countenance, you know, kind of like you'd expect from a from a Henson Muppet that way, where he's just this larger yeah. than life thing. And it was just fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I do I do miss that too. Really? And, you know, the whole the whole range of things that they did was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, let's, so what do you have next? Let's see. So I think the next one I have um, is the uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, the old uh, show uh, based on the, uh, the movie, uh, the ride that they had. Oh, yes, yes. And it was, um, it was really something. It's over where the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is now. And yeah. uh, you would travel with uh, Captain Nemo, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and go around and you meet the giant squid and you'd uh, do all these different things. And again, you know, kind of, kind of minor special effects. They do bubbles to make you think you were going under the water. They'd go, you know, inside a inside a show building, so that way it was dark out, so you felt like you were under the water. And it was just a clever way of kind of presenting the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea movie to you in a way that was uh, approachable. You had to walk down inside the Nautilus, and the Nautilus was the coolest submarine ever. And you'd be inside it, and you'd ride around, and it was really cool. And uh, Absolutely. I, I was sorry to see that uh, Disney did away with the whole attraction. Um, it was one of those things that I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, it, it was the whole thing was silly. It was trite. It you know the story. You know the the movie came out in 1957, if I'm not mistaken, and it, the ride closed in like 1997. So you'd already had a 40 year span between when the movie came out and when the ride closed. So 
you know, yeah. it lost its luster a little bit, and I'm sure that you know, uh, kids and so forth didn't remember most of the, you know, maybe had seen the movie, but didn't remember a lot of it anyway. Uh, Absolutely. But it was, it was fun. And it was something that I really missed. It was just so different and so unique. It was one of those things you had to see every time you went to Disney, just because it was fun and uh, really kind of interesting. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a great one. So what else do you have? I have one more. Okay. I have, I really miss, how they would tie in the old classic Disney stories to, to live theater. You know, they would do the, the Little Mermaid, and, and they do Aladdin at, at some parts, and they would do mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast. And, and I miss that classic Disney story on, on live stage. Yes. Yeah. You know, the stories that we all know, the stories that were timeless, they, they just came out with the Beauty and the Beast movie uh, a year ago, and I right. still think there's something to say about that era of Disney being so magical and that storytelling and putting it on stage. And I really miss that they, uh, that they don't do that anymore. I really miss that. Yeah. You know, that, that period from like maybe the late 1980s into the early 1990s was really something kind of cool. Cause they, they were turning out some pretty good movies. They were all entertaining had yeah. rich musical scores, um, told a good story. You know, it was, a, you know, they all, they were all formulaic in the Disney sense, but they were really well, well done anyway. And it was absolutely. A, they were a lot of fun to watch. And then, yeah, seeing them live on stage was fun because you you were retelling the story, but in a three dimensional medium that was still sort of the cartoon with the same songs. And it was kind of fun. It was uh, yeah. It was always worth going to see them, and they were they were a, they were a good time. Uh, I enjoyed pretty much every one of them. And um, I think we've talked about before the one I enjoyed the most was the Hunchback of Notre Dame because there was so much happening. Oh, absolutely! It was just absolutely everything was happening on the stage. It was like yeah, I mean, at some points there were like thirty people on the stage doing something, and it was just incredible. Yeah, and that show was really, really special to kids with disabilities because the kids with disabilities would come to see the show and they would see a hero that was you know almost just like them. Yes, exactly, and it was that was kind of neat because you you could identify with it in some way. Absolutely. You can identify with um, someone being, you know, imperfect as opposed to being, you know, the superhero prince or the superhero princess. You could see someone that's maybe just like you. And he, he still had a great story to tell. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good, really good point because that uh, that, that's something that, that Disney did well in a lot of instances where they were letting people know it's okay to be yourself, right? And you can be, you can be yeah. different than other people. It's okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's that's kind of missing in some ways from some of the things we see yeah. today. But there's a heart Absolutely. to it, right? And they're telling us they're telling a story about Absolutely. something different. Yeah. There's real heart and, and most importantly, there's real magic in letting people know that it's really okay being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's really cool. You know, one of the things, I, kn- I know it sounds cheesy, but my daughter watches the Disney Channel a lot. So there's... They do a lot of yeah. those um, those little uh, plug-ins where they have between the shows when they would norm- when a show would normally go to commercial and the Disney Channel doesn't. They do these little um, self uh, these little self promotional things, and then every once in a while they'll, they'll squeeze in these other things about doing good and being yourself. And some of them are really well thought out, and they're telling you to just be yourself and you know dream big. And it's like wow, this is kind of awesome because they're telling kids to to be that. And I, it's a good message, and I'm glad they're getting it out there. But it's not the same as like when you're at the parks and they're telling you, you know, or they're seeing the movies and they're telling you in a much more comprehensive way. This is like one minute as opposed to thirty minutes or whatever. Absolutely. So, but it's it's neat to see. I'm glad to see that they kind of carry the tradition forward to some degree, although it's not the same. 
Yeah, yeah, because that being yourself, be yourself has always been a Disney theme, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it has. So always, always, uh, always be yourself and let yourself, to, you know, be your be, be the best you can be. Yeah, be the be the best you. Cool theme. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, then again, why do they, why do you think they call it a theme park? Yeah, exactly. And why yeah. do they tell us that they're they're cast members? And why are we on stage? And you know why? You know, Absolutely. Why is everything part of the show? It's you know it fits into that whole Absolutely. scheme, right? Everything's everything's part of it. It's just it fits in very well. Um, Absolutely. So I'm going to throw one more out there, and this is this is one that I that I personally really miss. It, it's the Skyway that they used to have at the Magic Kingdom, and it was just this you know this gondola ride that would go between. Um, uh, Tomorrowland and uh, over to uh, uh, I guess it was uh, Fantasyland, and it would just go back and forth, and it was you know it was it was just a fun ride. You'd go up high, you could see all the way across the park, so you could see most of the park from up there, and uh, slow moving and kind of fun, and you know you're you're in this open air gondola, and it was kind of cool, and there was something kind of neat that about that ride. That ride, David, was magic. Yeah. That that ride really was magic. Was, that you can actually go in it and see the entire. You know, so much you could see not the entire park, but so much of the park, and see all the stands walking around and 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 everything. And it being a slow moving ride, I mean, that really was magic. Yeah, because you could see you could see the expanses. I mean, you could see everywhere, and it was neat. You could even see backstage a little bit if you paid attention. You could attention. even see in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so there was something kind of neat about that. That it was it was just magical and different and unique. And you know, yeah. you, Disney tries to hide a lot of that stuff. They don't do a lot of that. Um, simply yeah. because you know they don't want you to see, you know they want you to have a view that they want you to have, and they don't want you to see everything at the same time. So this was kind of neat because it was very different than that, and uh, I really do miss that um, that view of the world. I, in a way, I'm kind of intrigued by the new gondola system they want to put in over by Epcot and the studios and over by the um, yeah. Caribbean Beach Resort. I want to see how that kind of works out. Maybe it'll give us the nostalgia view of the Skyway without actually being the same thing. Yeah. So you know, I'm hopeful in a way. Um, yeah, maybe it, maybe it'll work out to be something pretty cool. Uh, I look forward to that. Absolutely, I look forward to seeing what they do and see if they you know give any nods to the old attraction. Yeah, yeah, I want to see if yeah because they might do some some interesting nods. You never know. Um, Disney yeah. has a tendency to do things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the more remarkable things is you know shortly after they pulled out the um, the Skyway, you would have never known that the Skyway was there, and now you know fifteen yeah. years later or whatever. You would you'd never have a clue that there was ever a Skyway because there's nothing left. It's amazing how they've yeah. taken everything away and you'd never even know it was there unless you knew it was there. Oh, if Disney wants to take it, they will take everything. <laughs> For sure. No question about that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I, it's amazing how, you know, all these things come back up and I, I'm sure we've stirred up memories in a lot of people thinking about some of the things that they miss too. So... I encourage anyone Absolutely. who wants to um, to post on the show notes page. Please feel free to post anything you'd like. You know, maybe we'll do this again another time as we get more entries. I've I probably got another thirty in my head that I could rattle off, but I, I think I'm good yeah. for now. You know, it's <laughs> it, it's fun to talk about these things and kind of you know reminisce about some of the fun things that we miss about Disney parks. Yeah, and like David said, if you miss anything, put it in the show notes and we'll read them. There you go. And, you know, that'll be, that'll be good. And we can do this again another time and just pick up on some more things. So Absolutely. There you go. That's my podcast for this week. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. 
Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 